What's up, Florida State sports fans? Kurt Weiler back here with Andre Fernandez on another episode of the Null Sports Podcast. Unfortunately, for many of you listening, I mean, we're here after uh, another loss. We're here kind of now reflecting on uh, a place Florida State football hasn't been in, in over four decades, now sitting at a 0-3. Yeah, historically, not historically bad start. They've, we we don't want this to get to the point where it's where it reaches even worse than this and we have to dig further into the archives but at a point now that we have not seen really since the florida state program really became the florida state program you know or even a little bit right before that right when the late great bobby bowden turned this thing into a into a juggernaut all those years in the 80s and 90s and and so on and really at the i mean look we're, we've talked about it. It's last season was rough on this program, just kind of starting from rock bottom, and still I think you know it's showing that you know pandemic and all. Really, this is it, this is almost like instead of being year two, I think in many ways it's year one point five because there's still a lot of things that are still happening. It's still this you know still this coaching staff, still everything you know trying to get more talent in and trying to get everything to mesh and we're seeing some of those difficulties translate into these performances on the field so we'll you know we'll dive into that and just kind of we have already in print and writing if you've checked out any of our work the last few days we've talked about you know we've dug deep into the issues of what's plaguing this team why pretty much they're do what they're doing in practice seems to look right or at least look good enough and then come saturday no, it's not happening, and it's or it's not happening anywhere near enough to the point where it can translate to a victory. But we'll see. Nine more games, and time running out before it gets really bad to to get it right. And a good Louisville team coming in here on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's uh, you 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 talked about. I mean, the uh, frustration on Mike Norvell's face, in his voice, in his mannerisms, and all of the above, kind of when he was a. Uh, addressing the media after that game Saturday kind of said it all because I mean like you said yeah I mean they're they're by no means a great team in practice we get to see a lot of them in practice but it's weird seeing kind of the dichotomy between what we see in practice and and what shows up in the game I mean like you said like they're the the Discipline penalties that aren't happening in practice and then are happening in the game. There's the uh, just seems like freezing, not handling the moment well. That's happening in the that's happening in the game after. I mean, and obviously that in particular, there's something about just kind of you can replicate game situations, but you can't replicate the moment kind of. And I mean, I would just say just time and time again, Florida State players, coaches, really everyone within the program just about has not handled the moment well this season. You no, know, and I think that that has shown not just in mistakes but even the approach to some things i mean you know and people i know a lot of people are upset and you know i've talked about the coaching and some of the calls that have been made and you know and and it's it's valid to to you know to an extent because you look at i mean i know one of the interesting things was looking at kind of the way schematically some of the things they've done you 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 dove in and looked at some of the decisions that have been made so far through three games in one of your recent articles and i have one that came out on on tuesday afternoon about um just the the way you know their their opening script of plays 
you know, that was something they did great last year. You know, they scored either a touchdown or a field goal seven out of the nine games last year. So, you know, as difficult as it was, they were at least getting off to good starts and, and giving themselves at least a little bit of a chance in early going in games. That's not, This year, when they're supposed to be a little bit better and supposed to be a little more competitive, and even showed that to a, to a point against Notre Dame, but they're shooting themselves in the foot early on. I mean, whether it's penalties, whether it's turnovers, bad calls, it's a, it's a mix of everything. And and yeah, and, and even like you said about Coach Norvell, yeah, he was he was down. And I think he's and they're all I think to, you know, they have to be frustrated with what's going on because and you can kind of tell even in some of the ways that they're addressing some of this, you know, you've seen him get maybe a little more animated or a little more, you know, kind of tired of hearing of having to say the same things over and over but i mean yeah it's 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 a it's a bit of a cluster of things going wrong right now and and definitely the frustrating part is that the message at least so far isn't translating to to game day and as much as they try to drill and try to the hope is that maybe gradually things will click and at some point it'll flip and you know things will start to to appear on the field and they will respond come said time and maybe just through law of averages some of these negatives start turning to positives you're right the problem is i mean after the next uh three i mean uh, like you said a good louisville team coming in then syracuse then umass you may get better but the opponents get a lot better yeah well, when you look big, at the, yeah. the back half of that schedule maybe some aren't quite what you thought they were I think miami i mean who knows what that miami team is and who knows especially what that Miami team looks like by the time that game rolls around but NC State I mean obviously they lost at Mississippi State but NC State's no doubt I mean going to be a real challenge for you North Carolina has somehow replenished its skill position talent really well Clemson doesn't yet look like Clemson but like I mean like we were talking about earlier today (laughs) that game's still over a month away right so and it's still Clemson and they still have one of the best defenses in college football and yeah there's, yeah, they haven't allowed an offensive touchdown this year through three games. Yes, those games were, I mean, Georgia and then Georgia Tech and then uh, an FCS opponent. But still, I mean, right. that's a, it, it, if you're struggling to move the ball consistently on Jacksonville State, there's <laughs> you don't see a path at all to moving the ball against Clemson. No, that, that and that's the whole thing. You look at the schedule, you already lost. You, you, the first one, you lose one of the games that – it was a long shot to win, you know, whatever. Then you lose the, then you lose one of the games that everybody had penciled in as a victory, and now you've dropped one of the most important 50-50 games. So you're 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 killing your little bit of leeway that you might have had, knowing what kind of gauntlet you're waiting for later in the year. So so yeah. So if they don't turn around quickly, and now Louisville again, another one of those quote unquote 50-50 games that we we talked about before the year that they needed to win. Well now. Here you have it, and now again you're kind of in, you know, try to salvage mode and try to start getting it going because this team more than anything, I mean, it, it, it sounds obvious or cliche or whatever you want to call it, but I don't know how much a victory can just start to make things a little bit more right with this team right now. It's like, it's like they everything's just piling on and, and, and really just self-inflicted in a lot of ways as they've talked about. No, no doubt. I think a, a win, whenever it could come, would a could do wonders. I mean, I think when you look at the difference between this week and the last two, it it, it feels it feels like now, especially in the wake of that Wake Forest game, just a uh, a, a team that had confidence in itself 
in that Notre Dame game, playing against the top 10 team that may not end the year as a top 10 team, kind of from what we've seen, but still, you're playing a top 10 team, you're right there with them, you lose in overtime, and it just feels like they haven't had that same confidence since. And it's not maybe not surprising that a, a program like this that's been through what this team has over the last few years, really since 2017, would struggle so much with confidence. But, I mean, I, I think uh, I thought coming into the year that a strong start could do wonders for this unit's confidence or for this team's confidence. And now I think it's more just what could a win do for them and how hard is that going to be to come by? It's hard when you're in any kind of a stretch like this. I mean, now you're when you look back on it now, you're looking at a team at a program that <clears throat> you know, started, started all over with Coach Norvell and his staff and is now in the midst of nine out of 12 defeats. I mean, that's, that's hard. Over a year and a half, you know, you, whatever you want to look, however you want to look at it, that, that is, that's a hard patch to, to, get un, to get out from under. And, yeah, I mean, one win's not going to totally flip it around, but it can at least be a start, a lift, something, just to get you going. I mean, I saw it, you know, down in Miami after that year, they were 10-0 and 0 and then, lost the last three that carried over into the following season suddenly i don't remember the exact stretch but they were in a funk of about i don't know it's i want to say maybe like seven out of 12 games that they lost and 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 just completely look where they are now i mean it hasn't they haven't been able to recapture that i mean it's just in terms of just a difficult stretch where this program is right now a victory again it won't cure everything but it's it's it has to be some kind of a building block some kind of a start and even for the team like this where Again, they're dealing with such a youth factor, such a, you know, I, it goes beyond that, of course, the problems they have. But for for a team like this, where you're, where the coaches are trying to just make them, you know, believe that they that the work they're putting in can carry over, an end result, a positive end result, just can be, you know, so helpful for them at this point. So that's why this game is huge for them. Yeah, looking back at the. Uh... Wake Forest game, a a 35-14 loss that honestly didn't feel that close. Wake Forest, I mean, scored, I think, on its opening drive of the the second half and then just fully coasted from there, pretty much committed almost entirely to the run. It was just really trying to uh, milk the clock and get out of there kind of scot-free and get out of there as quickly as possible without any issues. I mean, it's uh, a – it was interesting to watch. I mean – we saw, quote-unquote, or so we thought, the, the clarity at quarterback coming into the week with uh, Mackenzie Milton finally being named the starting quarterback over Jordan Travis. That's where they'd been co-starters the first two weeks on the depth chart. But then we come in, and they they alternate. I think the first four series, they alternated. It went Milton, then Travis, then Milton, then Travis. And that fourth one led to a touchdown. And so then they stuck with Travis, really, for, for the rest of the game until he got hurt. And... Uh, and had to leave. So it felt weird that on the on the week where they it seemed like they finally had some clarity, it was definitely the least clearly defined roles for those two. Yeah, and it, the the shoulder injury totally ruined what they had planned because, you know, all of a sudden he was he, he did look like he was getting some momentum. He had a couple of nice plays including the the long touchdown pass and then all of a sudden he's out and then McKenzie's thrown in there and you know, has one of his worst games of his career. And I mean, I, I've never, I'm not really a fan of the whole rotating quarterback thing, to be honest. And you know, I, it, it just shows to me like the situation they're in, where they, it, it just doesn't seem like they have the one guy that they can put all their trust in. You know, I know they talk about different skill sets and they have them, but you kind of wish they had enough to really settle in on one guy and kind of 
help have that guy really form the identity that they're looking for on the op- in this offense. But they may not get that at any point this season. It may just have to be this carousel, you know, as long as they can. Uh, yeah. Well, so, yeah. We'll see what happens this weekend because, I mean, now coming into the week with the, the shoulder, like you said, it, they're kind of not committing to anything about Jordan's status. And they kind of said right. how he was sore in the aftermath of the game and that it was something they're going to have to watch during the week to kind of see how available he could be, if he could be available. And, I mean, if not, I guess that kind of uh, sorts it out for you of you only have Milton of your top two available if Jordan were unable to go against Louisville. Yeah. The downside of that is it might be good, I agree, it might be good for the offense to stick with one and not have that tempting second option of, well, things aren't working at the moment with Milton, so maybe we should try Travis. But the downside of it is that you're then one quarterback away from having to play your uh, your, your third string in, in Chubba Purdy, who I know the staff is is high on long term and has, has liked what they've seen from him, but I think he desperately needs a year to where he can avoid seeing the field, if at all possible. Yeah, and that's where it hurts you. I, if you have both quarterbacks healthy is where I'd really wish it would be like more of the – settling into one scenario but you're right in this case it's not ideal from a depth perspective because you're one you're one circumstance away from having to throw Chuba into the fire in a game like this and we don't know if he's ready I mean he had he played somewhat you know a little bit last year before he had to shut it down again because of the injury but he really hasn't played you know he's only he's just had all this practice time but he really hasn't played a game since having since finally being fully healthy so physically, that's a good thing, but we don't know. He hasn't had enough experience to to see if he can lead a team to in a game like this to, you know, to a victory. That's a very tough spot. That's a very tough ask to if if he wouldn't have to get thrown in, you know, at a moment's notice like this if something were to happen. So that's where it kind of kills you in in that regard. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. I mean, obviously Jordan Travis's availability and how that factors in because I mean you have to think that even if he's able to play, it seems doubtful he's going to be at 100%. You know, you don't just like, you're not just questionable to play and then all of a sudden 100%. That's kind of not how things like that work. So yeah, maybe Jordan's available, but is he limited at all? And if he's limited at all, are you better at serve just not playing him? I mean, there are uh, plenty of questions on that front. It seems like, I mean, it's, it's weird that it feels like there are, there's less clarity now than there really has been any time since the first game. Yeah. Even though there's kind of the, the, the clarity on the depth chart. It felt like things were getting figured out, but I think that Saturday felt like a pretty big step back for that. And you can't even make the joke of you almost wish it was UMass week right now after you're coming off what happened in week two, <laughs> unfortunately. In, ter- in terms yeah, of... It's a, I mean, yeah. it's a... Yeah. And, and like we've talked about, you better have a couple of weeks to, to somewhat get that figured out. I mean, the... The last two games, I would say you have a chance of being favored at. You, you'll you be favored to beat UMass. The question is Syracuse. And I think you might because you're at home, but I think it, it'll be pretty close. We'll see how Saturday goes. But those are, I mean, after this Louisville game, those are your next two. And then I mean, after that, I mean, it's it's a run of games that are really going to challenge you where if you don't yeah. have things figured out, it could get ugly for I mean, you. I mean, if you had gone back and said they might be a home dog against Syracuse, good Lord. I mean... But then again, if they're if they're an ugly zero and four, you know, it could happen. Yeah, no, I mean it's uh, we'll 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 see how this weekend goes. I mean the uh, the defense, I would say, was uh, more of the same against Wake Forest. The the pass rush got there. The defensive line made its impact. 
but there were secondary issues again. I mean, it's it's astounding, and the unfortunate thing for FSU is it feels like they're uh, running out of options back there. I mean, they've tried a guy like Travis Jay, who they were so high on. They've tried Jerry and Jones. They've tried Jarvis Brownlee. They've tried Miko Dotson some, and they just have not been able to find those, especially cornerbacks, who are able to kind of be guys you can rely on in coverage. Yeah, and they've made a few, you know, we talked about it, they've made a couple of shifts back there, you know, this week to try and keep tinkering with the formula a little bit, you know, see what, see how, it, how they respond, how things work. But, I mean, you, that the defense last week, I mean, yeah, you mentioned the pass rush, and they did at times, but – to no fault. I mean, it's not their fault. 89 plays. I mean, they got worn down. I mean, yeah, plain, yeah, plain they faced simple. over 50 in the first half. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's things there's things they haven't done right. I mean, to me, the linebacker play just hasn't been good enough, you know, throughout the season so far overall. I mean, they've had moments here and there, but it's just in general they're they're not stopping the run as well as they sh- as they should be. They're getting blocked a lot, you know. I mean, other than Jermaine Johnson impacting the def- the actual, you know, defensive line, it really the defense hasn't really shown overall. They, they, they've really had their difficulties and, and slowing down the ru- opposing running games. You know, the, the first game against Notre Dame was, was solid, but since then it just hasn't been pretty, you know, especially when it comes to just, you know, sticking to assignments, maybe over blitzing, you know, wrong angles, that sort of thing. And if that doesn't get better, this is going to be an ongoing problem on that defensive side. And no matter how much pass rush and how much you want to dwell on the sacks being better, those are going to be few and far between, and and, and they're going to be surrounded by a lot of big chunk plays allowed. Yeah, I mean, we saw that uh, Wake Forest wide receiver A.T. Perry uh, killed Florida State. Seven catches for 155 yards and a touchdown. He was... The first touchdown for them, he was just a consistent playmaker. And, I mean, like we've we've kind of said multiple times, I mean, there are a lot of those uh, wide receivers coming up on your schedule that are really going to test your secondary. So they just kind of have to uh, – I, I, I think it's, it sounds like another situation we're talking to Adam Fuller of, I mean, they're being coached the right way. They're, they're reacting and responding and performing the right way in practice. And it's just not a, always translating to the field. Yeah, it, again, it's the same problem. It just doesn't seem like it's carrying over. And you wonder if it's just maybe something different maybe that's, that you call for in terms of maybe approach, in terms of maybe game planning a little little differently the way they're attacking teams on defense, you know, than, than the way they have, especially especially in the past two weeks. You know, I think some of the some of the plays I think were were eye opening. The way they were just gouged again with the running game against Wake. You know, some of the breakdowns the week before against Jacksonville State in the passing game. Definitely a lot of things to 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 pick apart and and try to correct there. You know, going and going against the team against the very dangerous quarterback that Malik Cunningham when he's on can be one of the best in the conference and showed it the other day against UCF. So. If he has a good day on Saturday afternoon, it could present big problems. Yeah, I mean, obviously Louisville, uh, like you said, I mean, they, they have really responded. They look pretty rough uh, in that, that season opener they had against Ole Miss in Atlanta. It, I mean, they were shut out well into the game. I mean, they offensively looked rough. Defensively, they looked rough, given a lot of people look pretty rough defensively against that Ole Miss offense and Lane Kiffin. Hmm. But, I mean, it's... Uh, 
it, it, you now see, I mean, the bounce back there, and obviously you're seeing the bounce back in Louisville. You're not seeing the bounce back, at least not yet, at Florida State. I know some people were pretty surprised that the uh, the line was as low as it was. I think it opened it. Louisville only favored by one. I think that's moved up now to uh, quite a few points, to at least two and a half, if not more than that. So, I mean, yeah, Malik Cunningham's no joke. I mean, they, you could definitely get the good version of him like they did last week or the bad version of him like they do from time to time, and uh, which which of those two shows up will probably go a long way towards determining how uh, how competitive a game we're in for this weekend. Yeah, and you can't forget about, you know, their running game may not be, you know, great headliner running game, best in college football type of thing, but... It's a solid. It's a solid approach, solid attack, and he's got some weapons, and could turn it very difficult for for FSU's defense if they're not careful and they early on. And and you don't want to fall. You don't want to again have another situation where you fall behind. They've fallen behind in every game. Only Notre Dame was the one that struck first on their first drive, but the last two, they've had their chances to to get in front first. Even had a turnover last week that could have led the points early on, and they just gave it right back two plays later and you know, wasted that opportunity. So important to start fast, going back to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and I mean, the, no doubt we don't know, I guess, what the uh, the crowd there is going to look like. I definitely talked about uh, being concerned about, I mean, fan output. I mean, unfortunately, obviously, the thing that no one wants to hear right now, and I completely understand this, is why do people want to pay to support, to patronize, to do whatever right now when the on-field product looks like what does. And I completely understand that, but the unfortunate truth of the college athletics world is unless you're supporting even when things are bad, it's hard. that path back is harder. And that's, I mean, it's the, the tough pill to swallow that I, I, I can imagine plenty of people are questioning if they want to go to that game this weekend, even if they have tickets. But, I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it's important to do so for a variety of reasons. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I think in general, yeah, you do see some of that and a lot of that questioning here. But I think there's a lot of fans in this town that they, you know, that for years have been invested, and 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 you see the passion even now that you know the team is in this in the situation it's in right now. I'm seeing like a lot of people still on Twitter that are like you know null for life, and they're still you know you. <laughs> You wonder how much of that, if this keeps spiraling, will erode or, or disappear. But I think there's people that haven't jumped ship, a significant amount that haven't jumped ship enough right now. And, and, and some that are conscious of you know, what, they're, what this process is about right now and the stage that they're in and what it's going to take for them to potentially get back to what they used to be or get back to at least respectability and, and you know some of the difficulties they're facing right now. So... Yeah, will it will it be down from what we've been expecting? Possibly, but I don't think uh, uh, that's also why. Again, not not to not not to go off on tangents, but I think that's the other reason, another reason, another layer of why it's so important to stop the bleeding as soon as possible, and that's why this again is a huge game for them to try and do that. We talked about uh, the Louisville offense. I. Uh... And rightfully so, because, I mean, I think that's that Malik Cunningham in particular are what catches your eyes. Brian Brown, their defensive coordinator, has, has, is in the middle of still a, a pretty remarkable uh, turnaround of that defense, that he inherited a mess of a defense there at the end of the uh, 
Bobby Petrino era that he's uh, started to do some things with, but they are a defense that uh, has been exploited somewhat this season. I mean, obviously what Ole Miss did to him, I mean, Ole Miss put up almost eight yards of play on him, but even UCF put up six and a half in, a, in what was a losing effort, but they were moving the ball against uh, against the Cardinals. So, I mean, it, it, from from all that seems there, it would seem the opportunities are going to be there for Florida State. This is not one of the stingier defenses on your schedule. No, it, it's not. But, I mean, it is much improved. I mean, we, we wrote about it in the preseason, you know, just how he, he took a defense uh, that gave up. I mean, last year they gave up 26.6 points per game, which was the best output they had had in five years. I mean, and, and you know, that some of their past defense numbers were really good coming into the season. I mean, it, remember, it's early for a lot of other teams. We're talking about all the early season, you know, not ex- excuses, but, you know, factors. It is for them, too. And that was a heck of a test to start with, to go up against. Ole Miss is one of the best offenses in the entire nation, period. You know, to go against that your first week when you're when you're installing a lot of things, that that's tough for any team. So, I mean, teams are going to get better little by little. So now after three games, you know, let we – Yes, the opportunity's there, but this could this is still a formidable squad for this defense and and for Coach Brown and what they've been able to do. So I mean, I think it's going to be a, a big test, and it, it it doesn't exactly play into the strengths of this team. They're good against the pass. FSU has not been good in the passing game so far this season, so they're going to have to. That that's something that's going to have to improve noticeably to have any kind of success. Well, and I mean we've. Uh... We've talked about uh, falling behind early, and I would say along with all of that as well. I mean, I would say the importance of not falling behind early, especially. I mean, Florida State was down and never caught up within what two and a half minutes of that Wake Forest game. Mm-hmm. The the quicker you get down, especially down multiple scores, it makes you play to not the strengths of your offense. I mean, the strengths right. of this offense. I know they've talked about still uh, struggling to kind of find their offensive identity, but I mean, what they've done the best is run the ball. I mean, it, it, they have two guys in, in Jayshon Corbin and Trayshawn Ward who were both top 10 in the ACC, I think top eight in the ACC, in in yards per carry. And mm-hmm. when you get behind, especially when you get down by a significant margin, you can't live in that world as much as you would probably like to. No, exactly. And a lot of it comes to just how useful all that yardage and all that traction really is. And that was some of the stuff we looked at this week. They're not running the ball well on first downs. The, the numbers look better on second downs, but a lot of that comes from when you're second and 20 and you pick up 10 and you get some of it back, but then you're still giving the ball up after third down because you're not converting on third and 10, you know, examples like that. So really it's, you know, are they getting that on early downs? Are they, are they putting themselves in easier second and shorts, third and shorts, and then making the right play calls and the right reads to be able to convert those and keep drives going it all all it all connects and it's all something that needs to be you know it needs to click earlier in games like you said to not have to not suddenly be down in a 14 point hole like they were last week you know where one mistake and even if you start to to climb that uphill battle you know later on when you're trying to make up that that difference then you're still at a point where one mistake breaks your entire comeback you're all your momentum like it did with the fumble late and the interception, and then and then it's too late at that point. Uh, I mean, FSU offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham uh, talked pretty uh, 
candidly this week at his weekly press conference yesterday on Monday about his role and his accounting for his role and his mistakes in FSU's offensive struggles, be it sometimes maybe not the correct play call, be it not preparing his offense for the defense they were going to face. He said Wake threw something different at them, and they kind of weren't prepared for that. Be it preparing for thinking he might have everybody available and then not having a couple of those offensive linemen available, and that made things a little tougher. It, it is good that he did that. You definitely would rather a coach come out and do that than deny, 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 and not kind of accept any responsibility. The problem is, by doing that, especially by doing that this early in the season, it's got to be something that improves or else or you can't keep going to that well. Right. No, it definitely. And I, and I, the injuries do make it a lot tougher when you're having to mix and match on the fly like they have been, especially on the offensive line so far. You know, we talked to Alex Atkins, the line coach today, and, and, and he was talking about, you know, this is one of the most difficult situations where he's had to like shift pieces around in his career so that that's definitely you know the the hard part but again i mean you have it's a constant battle of it's a constant chess match it's a constant battle of adjustments and we've been seeing that and you have to make and, and i think this year i think this is the second year for this offensive system here at fsu and everyone's studying everybody you know, and, and opponents are, are are looking at what they did last year and looking at why they were so successful early on and, you know, in those early down situations, what they like to run, and they have to do a good job of, you know, Coach Dillingham talked about it. He talked about being a little more creative with the running game. They saw some success on misdirection runs a little more out of those RPOs late in the game. That needs to happen earlier when you can set the tone for the game and not, you know, be down 21 or 14 and trying to, which limits your running game anyway. So that's just examples of the ways that they have to continue to make sure that teams don't pick up on their own tendencies and continue to 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 be creative and be unpredictable. And eventually, that's what's that's what'll turn it around and allow for more consistent success. We've seen Mike Norvell's a creative genius as an offensive mind. We've seen similar with Kenny Dillingham. We saw it more last year than early this year. I mean, like you said, it's now about kind of adapting to the adaptations that other people have made. Other people are now adapting to your tendencies. Now you kind of almost have to break your own tendencies. Right. Or you're, I mean, it's just, it's not, uh, it's not going to go well like it right. hasn't this season, especially right. when you complicate that with mistakes. Yeah. And that's not an isolated problem. Now that happens everywhere. I mean, it's just, and, and the ones who handle it the best and the ones that can keep, you know, obviously being that unpredictable and being that creatively creative on, on both sides of the ball are obviously the teams that succeed. And they, you know, again, three games, but sooner than later, you have to show something. You have to you have to find the right mix and the right formula to get it going the right to in, in your favor or else you're just going to keep putting your team in these challenging positions and, and, and it's going to keep spiraling. It does happen everywhere. I would say, though, it happens more often when you're at a program of this caliber. I mean, obviously, we could talk about what this uh, program's been like the last five seasons, including this one. But, I mean, they, it, less than a decade ago, this team won a national title. Yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 it is something where, I mean, when Mike Norvell's never previously uh, held a job of this caliber. I mean, even when he was at Power 5 level, he was at Pittsburgh, at Arizona State. It's a little different. 
Yeah. So that is something that I think he has had to and is still getting used to at this level. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think it's different. Even even Memphis. I mean, I know he it, okay. they, they had a lot of success there, and no doubt, you know, that's that's great. But at the same time, Memphis doesn't have the name of an FSU. You're absolutely right. And teams will key on you more and and and, and take more time to even study you up and and scrutinize you, et cetera. If you're facing, you know, the big brand name team, I mean, even now, you know, even if you are 0-3 or even if you're not, you know, the Jameis Winston era of FSU Sevenals, it's still, there's still a name and it's still, and you're still playing power five conference football. So no, yeah, there, there's some, to some degree, and that's the, that's the challenge for this coaching staff. We talk about the, the, the players being young and, and all of that, but there, there's, there's an element of, this is still, you know, relatively short amount of time that this coaching staff has been in this league, in this situation, coaching at this high level. Yeah, and that's, I mean, the players have their own things to kind of work through, and the coaches have a role in helping them do that. But I think the coaches, like we've said, I mean, have their own role in uh, realizing what it takes to have success at a uh, – Florida State. I mean, that was something that that Willie Taggart struggled with too, and I think it's something with someone like Jimbo Fisher, who had been at LSU obviously, and then also came in and had a couple of years here and really understood things before taking over the program. I think that that did wonders for uh, just helping his understanding of of what it takes and all sorts of things like that. So I mean, it's a yeah. I mean, it's it that's it, kind of an an intangible. Thing, if you will, it's, it's something pretty hard to uh, measure, but I do think it could be measured by any growth we're able to see definitely on the field. Yeah, and again, experience will teach, and, and it always does. And, you know, you just, you just hope that at some point, even if it's gradually, this thing starts to starts to flip, starts to tip the scales a little bit in their favor. But, you know, again, you know, it's 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 going to be. It's up to them. It's up to them to just do this and continue to work and 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 really have it translate. Because again, there's no as much. I I thought what Atkins said today is is on point. I mean, until you're in that situation, it's either it clicks or it doesn't click. No matter how much you want to drill into it. Yeah. No. I mean, it was. He's Alex Atkins. Always very. Uh insightful it was i'd say especially so today i encourage you to go find the story i wrote off of that and uh maybe just go watch his in, his entire video interview i think he had a lot of interesting things to say there and very entertaining um, always a very entertaining interview with coach atkins by the way yo very much so very much so you should uh tell your story about your near run-in there at practice one day <laughs> he saved my life let's just put it that way yeah <laughs> There's a there's there's a little tradition that he likes of charging out the entrance or exit, whatever in this case the exit of the indoor facility. And me, rookie mistake, I think it was maybe my like second or third practice. I I, I got caught deer in the headlights. Here comes the oncoming rush. Luckily it wasn't the lineman that, that, that came barreling in. It was Coach Atkins and he he picked me up and uh I landed on my feet, nothing happened, saved the day. I owe I owe you one coach. Appreciate it. Uh, we can uh, we can reevaluate as the uh, the week goes on, but uh, putting you on the spot now, how do you uh, what do you see on Saturday? I mean, I guess is there? I, I would totally understand, and I'm definitely kind of in the boat of 
full-on kind of I'll believe it when I see it. And I still think this coaching staff and this team are capable of it, but I'm kind of done giving them any benefit of the doubt with what they've looked like the last two weeks. I don't know, I guess, if you're in a similar boat or – Yeah, I think so. I mean, to be honest, I think I haven't totally sat there and dwelled on it and waited in my head. I will say this. I'm I'm not ready to make a pick yet, but if I was going to go the route of they might actually do this and and maybe it flips a little bit, I think it could be this week. I really do. I think I think this could finally be one of those where maybe something finally I almost see it as it either will or it's going to get really bad. I, I kind of almost don't see a real middle ground. I I figure I think I have a feeling it's either going to be a close game where this time they do finish and some, the light bulb finally goes off and you know enough times for it to equal a victory or it's going to be more of the same and then it's just going to get really bad, which is you know what the diehards that you're talking about you know, sticking with them and coming to pay pay their money and coming to to to, to watch games. You don't they don't want to hear that. But you know, I, I guess the point I mean is, if I if I was going to pick them, I think I would probably this week. Although I have not a hundred percent analyzed it to that point yet. No, I mean it's tough. They they are definitely capable of it. I mean, when you're comparing the uh, the the talent of these two teams i mean given florida state i would say hasn't hasn't played up to that level and they would say as much and they kind of have said as much but i mean when you look at a guy like jermaine johnson when you look at mckenzie milton and what he's has been capable of i mean i would say the the worry is the more time goes on and the more he just doesn't yet realize his kind of former greatness it just feels like there may be some limitations or he may just not be getting back to kind of his uh his pre-injury form, but the talent is no doubt there. I think the, uh, like, I mean, the running backs, I expect a bounce back from them. I mean, they didn't get many carries, honestly. They didn't get the chance to make a huge impact just because of how it played out, but because of that, their impact in the game was minimal. Yeah. So, I do have, yeah. Yeah, it's, who knows? I mean, would I be shocked? No, but I, I, I think I'm done kind of leading the charge of, oh, I think it could happen. I mean, I uh, I changed my mind late last week and picked Florida State, and then I kind of watched that game. I was like, why did I <laughs> Why did I expect different? I yeah. just kind of like, you know, it was like, I don't know why. Like, I don't know, I don't know why that uh, I, no, I, I did that. That was I, not my brightest hey, moment. I, I've been there. I've been there. I've done those second-guess picks a bunch of times over the years, and I, I get it. But I, it last week just didn't – it just didn't smell right to me. I just thought – Going on the road, coming off the week before, and I, and again, I wasn't even. I mean, I, I ended up. I was right about the result, but I was off by how much. I mean, I picked it to be down to the wire, close finish, and I, that's what I thought was going to happen. And it was it was obviously a lot worse than that. But and this, that's my yeah. That's my concern is. I mean, it would take it just the it would just take the response that we we haven't seen yet. We saw the team right. respond pretty poorly to the. Uh, the, the Notre Dame loss the week after. We saw them per- respond pretty poorly to the Jacksonville State loss the week after this past week at, no- at Wake Forest. Could that change? Yes. But, I mean, there's been a trend so far, and, and uh, I'm not sure I'm going to believe that they, they will break it until I see it happen I, with my own two eyes. I guess the reason I might is because I feel like, I guess to me, maybe I'm building it in my head as you either do it now or you don't because I don't care if you do it against Syracuse no offense to Syracuse. I don't care if you do it against UMass. But this is like your last chance to do it against the team that, 
you know what I mean? A team of a certain caliber of a, you know, where it's a quality victory. If you're going to really have a turnaround, do it now. And they're at home where they have not played, you know, you know what I mean? They, they, they pushed Notre Dame pretty well. And yes, they had the disappointing loss, but chance after chance to put it away and just seal an ugly win. I mean, we'll see, but I, I feel like this is, this is it. Like if I'm going to believe that the turnaround victory can happen against a quality opponent, it would be this week or else it just won't happen. No, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's a, it, 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 last week felt like last week felt more, not now or never. I think it, but, but last week felt more just like, here's a chance for them to, to make a statement for them to show that they've grown despite that national state loss. And they didn't do it, but this one, I mean, with more of the things working in its favor, like you said, being at home and all that, it, 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 I'm by no means ruling it out, and uh, I mean it would it would do wonders in all facets, in in recruiting, in fan support, in a lot of things. I think people would be like, you know, okay, because you're right. Syracuse a win doesn't move the needle. Yeah. At, at bare minimum, you're supposed to beat Syracuse because I mean that's pretty consistently a bottom tier ACC football team. Right. Yep. Two and ten last year. I mean. And Louisville was four and seven last year, but really a year that they underachieved and you know really came out disappointed. And and the way they've come out so far this year, it looks like they're building back to what they were the prior season when they were eight and five and a bowl team. So yeah, it, it almost feels to put it in to put it simply, beat a team with a pulse, and and prove that you're this is not as bad as it looks and that there's still and that you still can build something this season even if the final record isn't what you really wanted no i mean if this team got to even i would say four or five wins at this point that would be pretty remarkable considering where they're at now you'd look back and be like that was a strong finish that's a finish that you feel you can build off of yeah. going into the next season no doubt no doubt and to me it's like if you don't win these kind of games and your only wins are again saying we're, we keep saying Syracuse and UMass but let's say I mean what are we talking about two and ten three and nine that's not that's that's really bad so to me it's like you you, you salvage what you just said by winning a game like this I mean we should uh we should talk about recruiting some. I mean, it, it, it's it's pretty amazing. I think it speaks to how, like, the co- the FSU coaching staff kind of prepared its commits for what the season was going to look like and didn't kind of build up expectations unfairly that, that everybody is still on board through through three games. I mean, at Florida State's at 0-3, like we said, for the first time in, in nearly half a century – and they haven't lost anybody. And, I mean, Travis Hunter is, has doubled down on his commitment. A.J. Duffy has doubled down on his commitment. A number of those offensive linemen, Quayshon Sapp, Kanaya Charlton, have uh, have doubled down on, on their commitments. I mean, it's uh, – Florida State's recruiting strategy may have had to kind of pivot a bit in the wake of what the start of the season's gone like. But I think it speaks to both the buy-in of these players, despite what the on-field product looks like right now, but also that they, they adequately prepared them. December 1st is still a long way away. Oh, no doubt. No yeah. doubt. It, it is easy to be committed to an 0-3 team, maybe less so a 2-10 a team. I'm by right. no means saying that if they no, keep losing, yeah. I think 
You, I think that everybody's staying on yeah. board. You said it for me. You said it for me right now. Yeah, it's yeah two and no, ten. 100%. Two and ten. No matter how you try to cushion the landing, two and ten is not the degree of how bad they might have told the kids. Hey, it may look this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would I would struggle to think that a, a two and ten team has ever signed even like a top twenty five <laughs> class the next year. You know, like or that that yeah. recruiting cycle. I, right. I just can't imagine those two equating. So that speaks to, like you said, the importance of the quicker the better right. on the turnaround. Exactly. I mean, I think uh, I think we've uh, we've we've pretty well covered the uh, yeah. the state of the program, Andre. I I mean, it's a uh, it, it's not fun at right now for it. Uh, for anybody, I mean, it's not especially fun to to cover. It's not especially fun to watch. It's not especially fun to have to rewatch. But I mean, it's a it's spin it, cycle. It's spin cycle, rinse, repeat right now with this team. And you know, what did what did Daenerys say? Uh, break the wheel. It's got to do that in in a hurry. Yeah, they and like we've said, there's an opportunity this weekend. I mean, rightfully, they're not underdogs by a lot of points. So, I mean, it's uh, who knows? I uh, who knows? Yep, now or never, man. That's I. I think you know what? I think I appreciate it. I think you kind of convinced me on what route I'm going to take with the pick this week. I think it's just that now or never mentality. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. I, I like we said, we we've kind of done a lot of uh breakdown analysis stuff on the website this week on Tallahassee.com on nullsports.com just about all the areas where the, the the struggle has been I mean be it breaking down the numbers be it like you said breaking down the script and the problems there the the maybe areas where the coaches haven't helped matters especially on the offensive side of the ball more stuff like that I think is coming later in the week I mean it's uh, I think that's a lot of what people want to read right now I mean it's a uh, so, I mean, I think we've done a good job there. A lot of those stories, you have to be a subscriber to read. So we would encourage you to do that. Yeah, definitely. And one more practice tomorrow that we're allowed to watch. And, you know, we'll be covering that. And, you know, and then this weekend you'll have your your typical in-depth uh, coverage, you know, showing you who's got the edge between Florida State and Louisville, you know, that we've done over the last few weeks, breaking down the matchup. You name it. We'll be It'll all be there for you on Tallahassee.com. And, you know, please check it out, and we appreciate you guys listening to this podcast in these, in, you know, these last few weeks and months, and hope you continue to do so. Hey, break the wheel! I like that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it's fitting. Yep, either that or she, or uh, things will get crazy, just like she did at the end of the series. Yeah, you, you she. Florida State's <laughs> lost one of the dragons. You might not want to lose a second one this nope. weekend, or you're really in trouble. Nope. So. All right, we, <laughs> on that we're, we're note. getting a little crazy on here. It's, <laughs> we're going to get out of here. Appreciate you all for listening. Have a good one. Thanks, guys.